Hello and welcome to Intro to Briscoe. I'm Matt, and joining me is fellow Briscoe fan, Melanie. I'm really hungry. Okay. <laughs> and we've also got uh, Briscoe newbie co-hosts, Will. Present. <laughs> and Caitlin. Howdy. And today we're joined by our special guest, Matt Bays. Yay! Yeehaw! <laughs> the appropriate yeehaw. <laughs> uh, so, Matt, what is your history with Briscoe? Um, I don't have an awful lot of history with Briscoe, to be honest. Um, I don't think it was ever shown in the UK, as far as I'm aware. The first time I came across it was when you guys said that you were going to do this podcast. Mm. Um, And from various things in the past, I I thought we had similar tastes and opinions on other shows. So got the DVDs and and here we are. Okay. Was that a good decision? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think so. I I think I've said a couple of times in, in my feedback that I think the show started strongly and then dipped a bit and mm. struggles a little bit to know where it sits and what what it's trying to do uh, but i think the last few episodes have, have got a bit stronger mm-hmm. and um i like the overarching story with with the orb but i do enjoy the show more when it's a, a straightforward goofy screwball comedy yeah. um which i think this episode was yes for sure um yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's starting to come together now that they've ironed out uh, Briscoe and Bowler's relationship, especially. <laughs> yeah, they work better as a double act, I think, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, so let's look at the high and low point winners for the previous episode, which I just checked a second ago and they were tied. Let's see if that has changed. Mm-hmm. They were both tied. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still tied. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who didn't vote want to vote? Caitlin, did you vote? I did not vote. Let's see what we got. Vote. You should tiebreak both of these. It's all up to you. Try voting for something that, that doesn't still result in a tiebreaker as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fixed the little point. Okay, done. All right, so now. No! <laughs> the winner. I just kind of like that guy, okay, Mel? <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> uh, the winner of the low point of the episode, Steel Horses, is Will's choice of Socrates losing his job. Everybody feels bad for Socrates. Mm-hmm. Except those who hate him. <laughs> I don't hate him either, but some feedbackers who do. I know. <laughs> uh, and the high point, hey, Mel, you won. Oh, well, still, the high I point. still think that peach eating hillbilly was the worst thing ever. <laughs> but the high... I, I, see, I see Matt agrees with me. <laughs> I do. But, but did you vote for it yourself? Did I? Uh, one other person voted for it. No! no you didn't, you didn't. So you've only got yourself what? to blame, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Aww. Uh, and did I lose my chance? Yep, it's too late now. Because <laughs> no. you would just make it a tie again. Uh, the high I'm point. Go vote, vote for it later. <laughs> the high point winner is uh, your choice, Mel's choice of Juno riding his bike off the cliff. I thought that was delightful. Which, thanks to Matt A, we have uh, that's available whenever you want it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I like to wake up to that every morning. Okay. So, are we ready to get in the recap, or has anyone else got anything before we start? No way. Nope, let's do it. <clears throat> okay. So, episode Mail Order Brides. Alright, so we start out, and Briscoe and Bull are waking up from their uh, camp out, and it's revealed that they're chasing the swills through exposition. <laughs> um, there's a runaway carriage 
comes towards them, and uh, Briscoe's in a bit of trouble getting Bowler up there. I can imagine them sleeping under the stars together. Yeah, oh. That's adorable. It is adorable. <laughs> Bowler with his beautiful singing voice. <laughs> singing lullabies. You think he does that for Bo- uh, Briscoe every night? Of course. <laughs> he cradles him in his arms and just rocks him to sleep. <laughs> oh, I want to see that. <laughs> Um, but he does it begrudgingly, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's grumpy about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of grumpy, did you see when the uh, the carriage goes by, Briscoe just throws his breakfast on the ground. Like he doesn't like just drop it. He doesn't set it down. He takes that plate and whips it onto the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it's like God damn it, smash! I have to. <laughs> breakfast is ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I just ruined it. Yeah. That's what I was doing with my breakfast. Did you notice Bowler's shirt? The shirt was awesome. No, I didn't. Pink shirt. It's yeah. very pink. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably because it's like his long underwear. I think yeah, long maybe. underwear back then was all pink. Yeah. <laughs> so you know it's long underwear. Yeah. But it matches his, his flowery... Kerchief? Uh, uh, Kerchief. <laughs> Aww. Um, I like his style. <laughs> very old lady style (laughs) his style is kind of all over the place because he's got like he had like I noticed this episode he had like the nice vest Mm -hmm. but he's got like the weird military blue pants with the yellow stripe and he's just got all kinds of weird styles going on the one the one earring like the bowler hat it's just all weird yeah he's he's soldier from the waist down old lady from the waist up (laughs) (laughs) aww um but uh, yeah, the two of them catch up to the runaway carriage. Uh, Briscoe jumps on and grabs the reins while Bowler grabs the horses themselves by going up front. So it seemed like they were doing their own stunts here. Yeah, it looks like it. I thought, I like that. I didn't notice any obvious stunts. I thought it was, thought it was cool. It looked mm. like it could be dangerous. It could have been trampled. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> unless that entire carriage is made out of Nerf. <laughs> getting run over by a nerf carriage <laughs> i'm okay <laughs> um so uh further trouble bowler gets hit by a pan i not like that one bit <laughs> he doesn't deserve these ladies are not grateful why why i know i thought maybe they were afraid of him at first but that didn't seem to be it i'm not sure what their motivation for that was um the swills stole their stuff. Uh, what else happened in this scene? Um, they want them to find the three men to bring up the swills. I mean, mm. But I. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I noticed that Briscoe is completely disgusted by short hair on women. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the hell happened with her hair? I, I feel like I, uh, I recognize all of these three women. Dude. One of them I know where from. The other two I'm not sure, though. Can't quite place them. One of them is, is one of the Heathers. The Heathers? From what? From Heathers. Oh. <laughs> I don't know that show. It's a movie. No, the, the film with uh, Christian Slater. I also don't know that movie, then. Oh, dear. <laughs> big gaps. Big gaps. Uh, Meg, um, I'm looking at her list right now. She played Lois Lane's sister on Lois and Clark. <laughs> Probably not that. <laughs> um, uh, who else? Romy Rosemont, um, the bigger lady. I'm looking at her IMDb. She looks like she's lost some weight. Um, what did she do? Anything good here? Uh, How are you even reading any of this? You recognize her face? 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I, they're all totally familiar to me, but I can't place where from. They might just have been those a, kind of faces. They've been in a lot of TV shows, I think. Mm. Yeah. She's been on CSI as Jackie Franco. Don't watch that show. Uh, yeah. I don't even know how you're reading any of these credits, man. <laughs> you're just <laughs> through, like... Super fast. Uh, Kim Walker, the one who got her hair cut, uh, she actually died in 2001. Oh, really? Oh. From a brain tumor. Uh, and one of her, one of her famous, um, lines from one of her pieces of work was, did you eat a brain tumor for breakfast? So I guess that's kind of, (laughs) (laughs) of unfortunate and awful. Uh, yeah. Thanks for being a downer, Matt. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just bringing the facts. The horrible, Um, horrible facts. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, these girls want to go to a place called Preacher's Head where their husbands are waiting for them. Uh, the lead one, Meg, is very, uh, very independent. She doesn't want any help. Uh, till that one lady, um, Sally, I think it is, recognizes Briscoe by one of his heroic lines. <laughs> one of famous. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think of that? I'd like love to know who actually wrote that book. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering whether that's going to crop up again in the future. But, but I like the fact that somebody's been documenting and perhaps exaggerating slightly some of their adventures together. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently it's from the like the East Coast. Like who how would somebody from the East Coast have heard of them? I was gonna say Socrates, but if it's from the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Socrates is ghostwriting something and having it published in the East. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um so yeah, Bowler is Demoted to faithful companion <laughs> instead of partner in these di- in these dime novels that made them famous. And Comet is truly described as the Wonder Horse. Yeah. Didn't it look like he was super shy when he was? <laughs> yeah. He was like, oh. He's like, oh shucks. Oh, oh shucks. Oh dear me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after that, we cut to the swills in a bar eating and uh, planning a bull heist. Uh, yeah, chapter one, For Whom the Bull Told. Uh-huh. Time marches on. You know the you know the lame chapter in Steel Horses episode? Yeah. That just said Steel Horses? <laughs> I was thinking about it afterwards. How was that spelled? Was it spelled S-T-E-E-L? I think so. Oh, because they could have punned it up by saying steel as in, like... Stolen? Stolen. Because they get stolen. <laughs> Maybe it was. You've been spending too much time with Robin. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, like in the previous scene, um, they say, yeah, we have a history with the swills, which is about to be cut short. It kind of seemed like the opening was cut short. They like cut right to the opening credits. I don't know if that was supposed to be a joke or not. Maybe it was a joke, but the hair, too. The hair. (laughs) Everything's being cut short. Which I noticed, by the way, they, they said, what happened to your hair? It's horrible. And then they cut to Bowler with his long, luscious beauty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, I forgot to mention, when, when she hit him on the head with the pan earlier there, he, like, he punched it back. He, like, his hat did fl- got flattened, and then he punched his hat back out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that was, was good. Funny. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> um... So uh, Phil wants to take a look at the pictures from the newspaper article, which he can't read. Um, he's looking more dirty than last time. 
I was wondering if these were the same guys because I just they just didn't seem familiar to me. Mm. I know at least um, Will Will and Phil are for sure. Yeah. That, that third guy, Bill, I like he's unremarkable, so I I can't remember his face. But uh, on Twitter, Matt A just pointed out this week that if you watched X Files, no, not X Files, Millennium last week, uh, the Thin White Line, the serial killer was he yeah, a serial was killer? A serial killer. Yeah, but he was in in jail, and they had these lights on, and they were always bugging him and stuff. And Frank Black had to go talk to him, but that guy is the same guy playing Bill Swill, which. Now that I know his face, now I can remember it. But that first episode they were in, I didn't... Yeah, I don't remember, remember what he looks like. No, I don't. Um, where are we at now? Um, <laughs> the mayor is immediately preparing a barbecue sauce yeah. <laughs> as soon as he flares. <laughs> How did these lines of communication get so tangled <laughs> that he thinks the bull's being sent there for, like... For a giant barbecue. Yeah, for a barbecue. <laughs> It's not a natural expectation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But like it's gonna be like a town celebration. We're being given a free like million dollar free barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna like put like gold flakes in that barbecue sauce. <laughs> um, I think somebody's pointed out before. I think it might have been Illyrio that uh, that Socrates is very like Dwight Schrute in his mannerisms. Yeah. And in this scene in particular, he's very much like Dwight Schrute, very over the top. Yeah. That's true. I never noticed. <laughs> He even looks like him. He has the same brow. Yes, it's true. <laughs> um, so yeah, Madrid, Spain is sending Madrid, California, their royal bull, uh, El Magnifico Quinto. <laughs> What's that mean? What's Quinto? Bull? I seem so. <laughs> um, Let me look it up. <laughs> no, that's Toro, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. This, this bull is supposedly worth a million dollars. Yes. I know I'm gonna get like Zach Quinto. Like, Search the first. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he is number one. If you yes. search Quinto, maybe, maybe it's not Quinto. Maybe it's Qu- no. It was. Quinto. I saw. I saw it. Oh, okay. It was like that's how it was spelled. Type Spanish. So I know we Spanish talked about um, uh, inflation and their, the money that quotes that they use in, in this program before, but a million dollars back then is worth roughly twenty-six million dollars in today's money. That's one expensive bull. Yes, <laughs> for sure. It looks like it might mean the fifth, so it's like El Magnifico the fifth, probably. Ah, okay. <laughs> With the other four barbecued as well. <laughs> well, we know at least one died en route to another place. Um, but it also said it means canned goods, so I don't know. If <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a sec. <laughs> a person who has been chosen to do military service, a small bottle of beer. I'm pretty sure it's um cons- Conscript... It also means bingo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Okay, well, from now on, can we just agree he's the magnificent bingo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like it means the fifth. Uh, so Socrates shuts down this whole uh, barbecue thing in very authoritative fashion. He's good at his bureaucracy. <laughs> I love how, how frustrated he gets this scene. He rips, just his, like, ah! rips his hat off his head. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's lucky he's wearing a hat or else he would have ripped the rest of his hair out. <laughs> uh, um, I think I think if they're gonna like not use that barbecue sauce though, they should probably just bottle it up because it did look delicious. <laughs> <laughs> they should have had this as a coming thing and like it should have been like a some sort of famous barbecue sauce. <laughs> yes. 
Um, so Briscoe and the gang get to Preacher's Head, and we find out that the ladies are mail-order brides, and Lord Bowler is thoroughly disgusted. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I enjoyed that he was disgusted by this. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, the dowries of these brides were stolen. Um, I didn't know dowries were still a thing at that time, but... A dowry is just money, right? It's not a physical thing that's no, it can not be, money. It can, be like, it can be possessions, yeah. yeah it can, can it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess. I assumed it was just cash. <laughs> it, it probably is, but it could be anything with which to set up a, a home with. Yeah. Yes. Um, buy a wife, get a free blender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Exactly. It'd be like, it'd be like a coupon booklet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Bowler and Briscoe argue over mail order brides. And... I love Bowler. Aww. <laughs> Briscoe's very—I mean, Bowler's very traditional, but Briscoe's playing devil's advocate. It's not—it's not really clear whether he agrees with the whole practice or not. I don't think. Did you see the random couple who were getting married in the background? Yes. <laughs> yes. Did they look happy? Not really. <laughs> the, the, the chap on the left—he looks a bit like the Fonz to me. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Uh, don't think it was him though. <laughs> hey, sit on it. <laughs> uh, so we're back at the bar, which only has whiskey. <laughs> like, Lamest bar ever. I like that gag. Uh, <clears throat> Swills notice Briscoe and Bowler, and they fire off their guns, and a fight breaks out. Hilarious fight scene. It is hilarious. <laughs> awesome. Immediately, everyone in the bar starts fighting. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> starts flinging themselves across the room. <laughs> Did you notice, like, after the gunshot, immediately a guy throws himself across yes. the swill's table? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the uh. best. Briscoe did this funny looking kick at one point, kicked this guy off of him mm-hmm. uh, with both of his legs. Yeah, he gets thrown down the bar. Yeah. Smash uh, throws the drinks. Quality Western move that throwing them down the bar. Yep. Mm. <laughs> that was delightful. Uh the sheriff comes in and uh Briscoe lays him out. <laughs> I love I love the part where the table falls on top of the sheriff's chest. It falls right at <laughs> <into> his neck. <laughs> <laughs> It probably crushed his windpipe. He did well to keep still there. <laughs> yeah. Well, he kind of jumped a little when he saw Yeah, like how they they kept that take. Yeah, a, ter- a t- table just fell on my neck. <laughs> Luckily, it's made it a nerf. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the swells escape through the window, and uh, we get a coming thing reference to a shitty song. <laughs> In your opinion. Yeah, I don't like that song. Are you, right. Do you like that be, song? I don't know. It's going to be the secret song. <laughs> no, it ain't. <laughs> the secret song is going to be a reference to something in the opening scene, as far oh. as I can tell. Unless All I right. think of something better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Briscoe and Bowler are in a cell. The brides come in, and they're willing to pay bail if they uh, come with them and get their dowries back from the swills. Uh, so they sold their wagon and one of their horses to get the, the money for the bribe. Or not the bribe. <laughs> uh, bail. Bail, <laughs> yeah. B-words. <laughs> get them all mixed up. 
There's too many bees. Yeah. <laughs> they sold their wagon and their horse for the banana. Uh, <laughs> so Socrates greets the Spanish ambassador, who has a stupid speech impediment. I yeah. I, uh, I honestly couldn't decide if the portrayal was racist or not, but uh, this guy is totally Sylvester the Cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's racist, it's just a bit easy and obvious. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Very lame. But yeah, the yeah, he was totally Sylvester the Cat. Same speech pattern, same kind of color pattern. <laughs> <laughs> and he did chase that Tweety Bird around. <laughs> no. <laughs> did I miss something? <laughs> um, he is disgusted by America. <laughs> so dusty. Would wouldn't Spain be dusty as well? You would think so. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> But I, I've never, I've never been, been there, to but I know it's really hot there. Matt, have you been there? Is it dusty? Um, not these days. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. All right. Yeah, back then it probably would have been. Um, so the last bull that was given as a gift died, and uh, Spain destroyed the country it was heading to. Uh, I'm not sure if they could do that to the to the states, <laughs> but still, it's a, it's a threat. Um, the pen is substandard. It's got got horrible wooden flats. Um. <laughs> uh, so, anything else there? Offering Thuckatash. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so now, so- Socrates, he doesn't just... hes His role has expanded. Now he's working for the governor. I guess. Yeah, who does he work for? <laughs> Mystery. Anybody with money. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um... So the it just seems to me that in this episode they needed something for him to do, right? And he fits the uh, diplomat administrator type. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, the gang stops for the night because there's some rain. The ladies want to keep going, but Briscoe doesn't want to. Um, so they split up. What kind of a thing did they construct here, Briscoe and Bowler, like to shield themselves? Looks like they're it just was, in a cave. It was, you know, yeah. was it a cave? I thought so. I thought it was like canvas covered. Whatever it is, they just found it. I'm pretty sure there's. Oh really? I thought. Yeah. I thought they. I thought it, yeah, I thought they made like a tent or something. Yeah, I was gonna say it was pretty watertight. I wouldn't have left that. I don't think. <laughs> would have had a hard time getting me out if of there. If I was one of those ladies, Matt, no. I would have made you stay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep me down. Would a hog? Would a hog tied you? <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> It's been dry. <laughs> yep. Yes, I guess. Uh, so yeah, Bowler's worried. Aww. He's a sweetheart. He's such a gentleman. <laughs> yeah, Briscoe yeah. relents. Briscoe. He has a he has a soft spot for Sally, doesn't he? Think so. I think so. Um, Briscoe relents, but he also wants his hat. <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk! <laughs> the ladies are wearing their clothes. The, the one of the ladies does have Bowler's hat and coat as well. Mm-hmm. But Sally, did yeah. you did you guys notice that the one with the short hair? Because apparently she has horrible hair. She doesn't get a hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, to save that hair. <laughs> oh. There's only two hats. Yeah. Have to divide them up somehow. I like to oh. think they played scissor paper stone. Obviously, the writers do not like short hair. <laughs> <laughs> Here, uh, I'll cut off Comet's mane and you can wear that. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> they just put a saddle on her head. <laughs> Keep her dry. Uh, saddle sombrero. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the ladies are second guessing, uh, walking through the rain, second guessing what they're doing. Uh, they hear something, and uh, Meg goes off with her gun and up the hill. 
she fires a... Did she fire at Briscoe? I don't know what she fired at, but she fell down a hill and lands on Briscoe. Which is a little confusing, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't understand the mechanics there. But, uh... Yeah. She fired at a shadow person. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, so there's that. Anything else there? She falls uh, on top of Briscoe? Yeah, he gets his hat back. Yeah. Um, the Swills, they go home. Uh... <clears throat> They don't want to run into their mom, but she pops up anyways. Uh, she's she's played by Nan Martin, uh, who was Mrs. Louder on the Drew Carey show. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever the hell that is. <laughs> but she's had a long career since 52. Was her first... She's still alive? No. Oh. Uh, she died in 2010. Oh, age 82. Yeah. Um... She played a donkey in Father of the Pride. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So their mother dislikes all the girly stuff they brought, but she loves that flamethrower. <laughs> it's not a flamethrower, it's a fire-shooting gun. <laughs> you would think that they would know that their mother doesn't like girly things, so why would they bother bringing her a dress? They didn't want to give her that flamethrower. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they wanted it. <laughs> Did I catch that right at that time, that that's what happened to Phil's hair? He got singed by the flamethrower. Oh, maybe. He did look singed. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it, yeah. Uh, they're wary of hugs from their mother because she had some sort of rash. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and she's also incestuous, so yeah, I mean... Yeah. I wonder what happened there. Did she marry her brother, like her cousin? Like I don't know. What? Did she have any kids with them? I yeah, like her sons. Like I don't know. Mm. Did she sleep maybe under the bed? Her, maybe it <laughs> like was her old son. <laughs> she married to. I don't know. Who knows? Um, she thinks the bull idea is stupid, but her idea is very. It's barely different. It's like instead of selling it, ransom it. It's not that different. It's the same, in fact. Yeah. It's like one of those bosses that you know you'll tell your boss a really good idea, and then they're like, "Wait a minute, I have a better idea." And they just repeat your idea, but in a different way. It's exactly like that. Yeah. I feel like a f- the further down you go in the swill chain, they get a little dumber. Uh huh. So she, her idea was a little smarter because they couldn't prove like the bull was the million dollar bull. So yeah, yeah. I think you're right about the the chain of of swills because there's guys in the background just like falling over themselves from yes. <laughs> <laughs> they've barely got the brain capacity to walk a straight line <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it could also be the distillery <laughs> yeah I, I think, think so. the grog had something to do with it yeah. <laughs> it's a combination of things <laughs> yeah they're all inbred and drunk not a good combination mm-hmm. uh, we'll get Ma's blessing to lead the gang uh, I can see how uh, I can see her passing as Gil from the previous episode as his mom because they look similar. Yeah, <laughs> the, the same skeletal face. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the gang arrives at the Swill homestead after the, the Swills leave. Uh, they're hearing about uh, their, their apparent travels to Bolivia from the Dime novels. <laughs> I want to read one of these Dime novels. <laughs> yeah, I want to see what's in there. Yeah. Hmm. Somebody somewhere must have written some fanfic like that. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Ma finds out who they are, um, and after they go into the barn and find the uh, wagon and figure out that they're going to Madrid, California, uh, they get held up by all the other swills. 
Um, so we cut to them. They're about to be executed via firing squad. Briscoe requests... You know what? Chances are they probably would have either misfired or fired up in the air or frowned or... Chances are they wouldn't have killed them. <laughs> Even if they let them. Mm. Yeah. Briscoe seems to feeling. be impervious to being shot somehow. And, yeah, anyways, so... yeah. As we find out later. Mm-hmm. Um... So, yeah, Briscoe comes up with some last requests. He wants a drink from Meg. Do you guys think her. they... Sorry. From her, yes. Uh. <laughs> it's arrested development all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Coming thing, arrested development. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that joke. If, if arrested development had already existed before this, maybe it would have worked. But <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the whole her, her, her. <laughs> Yeah, I doubt they would have obliged for the drink and the cigar, though. Yeah. Yeah. Not in real, in real life. life. Yeah, no way. I love how how big of an aversion Bowler has to smoking. Um. So yeah. But then when he realizes what's going on, he like takes it on with full relish. Yeah. <laughs> he like sucks that thing in like. <laughs> Aww. Chapter two was relief from the bullpen, which made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the moonshine overflows and makes a trail. Um, we thought it was water. Yeah, yeah, so, too. yeah, so did I. I didn't really understand that. Is that an alcohol tap that they've got there? I guess so, <laughs> Seems yeah. like it, yeah. You just got a whole big thing of moonshine. But I bet you it was actually water. Oh yeah. <laughs> they were filming. They wouldn't waste liquor like that for production. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they actually, yeah, they actually used the moonshine and they were like, everybody lick it up. Don't want to waste it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, it had to be something flammable. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, I bet that really confused me because I really thought it was water. Yeah. <laughs> it was flammable. Yeah. Mm. And uh, Bowler spits his cigar into the, the moonshine and kaboom. He's an excellent aim. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, what if they went through that big plan and he missed? So, yeah, they escaped. And then uh, we cut to Socrates showing Mendoza the new and improved pen slash barn, which is all fancy, but it still has wooden slats, so I don't know. But they're whitewashed and look clean. I guess, but... I would live there. I mean, if it's such a big... <laughs> you live in a pen, Mel? It's nice. It's really nice. It's clean. He made such a big deal about the wooden slats. I don't know if I'd live there if the bull also lived there. No. Yeah. Notes for the future when you're, like, retired and... <laughs> That's all I need you'll to make Mel me, happy. You'll see me just like holding onto the bar, the the slats. I'll just be like looking over the edge, just waiting there. This is the life. <laughs> this is the life. <laughs> just eating hay. Yeah. So apparently it's satisfactory, and uh, so I'll, have a, I'll also have a glass of sangria though, just to make it better. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, Socrates can tell that Mendoza is from Castile. Because of his speech impediment accent? <laughs> That's, That's not... not a speech impediment. In, in in Spanish in Spain, they do tend to pronounce, especially in certain regions, pronounce their S's not as S, but more of a th sound. Really? Yeah. Like this bad? Well, it's an exaggeration, of course. But... <laughs> <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, I guess it all works out then. <laughs> Good on you, writers. <laughs> <laughs> like, if someone says Barcelona, if someone from Spain will say Barcelona. Hmm. So it, does, it sounds like a speech. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. I guess it's not. So, 
they're not jerks, those writers. <laughs> uh, so we cut to everybody camped out. Uh, Briscoe's talking to his horse, as per the little book. Um, but even though some of the information is accurate, uh, Sally's got a lot of bullcrap info about Briscoe and Bowler. Um, Meg and Briscoe have a talk about men. Uh, <laughs> Bowler. <laughs> it, a wiki should have been the coming thing about <laughs> Briscoe and Bowler, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all bullcrap. Check our wiki. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, oh, I loved Bowler's face when he was really angry. When she was like, can I at least finish the chapter? And he was like, <laughs> Fine, I guess. Yeah. Oh. Showing his teeth as much as possible. Yes. <laughs> um, so Briscoe says, she's a woman of the 90s. She can do whatever she wants. <laughs> oh, the 90s. I like that line. Yeah. Mm. It makes you think for a second, then you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I really thought her red dress would be used to get the bull angry, but we never saw that. Yeah. It kept, like, it kept foreshadowing. Yeah. They kept showing that red dress. <laughs> Did you guys not think that too, or...? Yeah, there was quite a few red things, actually, which I thought would would appear with the bull, but never did. Yeah. Meg, use your red, your red dress, Gord. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, we cut to the swells ambushing the bull guards. Um... And the gang comes into town, and Socrates meets up with them. They exchange their info about the bull and the heist. Um, Socrates says something about the political climate of Spain and, you know, the risk of war. So, does anybody know their American history? What was the political climate with Spain in the 1890s? Apparently not good. (laughs) I think there was, like, a strong connection uh, between, like, California and Mexico and Spain. Okay. And something to do with that. That's all I can tell you at the moment. It sounded like there was a bad political... Around the time of the Spanish-American War, or am I making mm-hmm. that up? I'm making that war up. <laughs> maybe that actually happened. Maybe we, maybe, maybe we need to start doing research on our history before <laughs> yeah. we start the episode. Maybe. <laughs> Somebody can fill us in on the Facebook group. Yes. Um... Frisco and Bowler are scouting the barn. I can hear hear Caitlin typing. (laughs) (laughs) Am I right? No, I just remembered something from one of the Zorro movies I watched. Oh! If you can count on that for historical accuracy. Totally. Maybe maybe Mexico and the States were fighting over territories on the border and Spain was... I imagine so. There's a really bloody history in the States and the history of California because it used to be part of Mexico and most of it. Spanish-American War was a conflict in 1898 between Spain and the United States. Uh, 98's a little bit, a bit further, further ahead than this, though. Yeah. But uh, maybe there was rumblings. Building up to it, yeah. yeah. Um, so... Where are we at? So, Bill... Uh, no, Phil shoots at them through the door when he spots them, and uh, Bill grabs the one of the ladies hostage, uh, Sally. Um, the Spanish soldiers arrive, and the situation gets tense. Um, <laughs> Will gives them 60 seconds to get a million dollars in cash. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a great leader, Will, I don't think. <laughs> no. I thought I was bad at math. These people, God. Briscoe <laughs> <laughs> uh, disarms himself and wants to negotiate. He goes into the barn. Um, Phil just wants to shoot him, but he's convinced not to. Uh, 
Briscoe starts negotiating. He wants the hostages first. Um, and But before they can work out anything, he pulls a rope and ascends to the rafters and the bull escapes. Uh, everyone's chasing the bull and the swills, including the ladies. <laughs> that must have been some heavy hay. Yeah. To pull the two of them up like that. I know. That's um, true. I never thought about that. <laughs> It was soaked in sangria. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so Bowler knocks out Bill uh, for trying to steal his horse, for trying to steal Lord Stallion. Aww. <laughs> uh, I love how how uh, Bill ragdolls here. <laughs> He's, yeah. he, like, he does a really good job of just going limp and falling in a really awkward looking position. <laughs> um, the bull goes through a china shop. Brilliant. Yes, immediately starts breaking things. It's barely through the door that's all breaking. We don't see one piece of china. <laughs> you just hear it. Yeah. But uh, the bull comes out the other side, and Phil comes out all dazed and confused, and uh, the ladies kick the crap out of him. Uh, Sally and Caitlin. And then we have the best bit of the whole episode. <laughs> Which is... Bull cam. <laughs> Stuffed bull cam. <laughs> That's just, I was in pieces for minutes over that. <laughs> it does look like somebody's holding a little toy bull right up under the camera. <laughs> just like ch- chasing Risco. Um. Risco leads the bull to the pen with the help of uh, Meg. But uh, Will gets a drop on him, but his gun misfires? Why? Just does? I don't know. It wasn't explained. It looked like it got a full full round of bullets in there. Briscoe's got Mulder's genie, genie helping yeah, yes. him. Well, yeah. yeah. Robin did mention Briscoe as a genie. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Further proof. It's um, the genie from 100... You know, like, maybe Briscoe first had the genie. You uh-huh. know, he rubbed the lamp, and then he lost him, and then Mulder found him 100 years genie. later. Yeah. It's the same genie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um... So, uh, uh, Meg takes Will out, and he's all perplexed. He's like, why? Why? How did this happen? And then he passes out. Uh, <laughs> so, at an awards ceremony, uh, the girls get some medals, and the guys get nothing. <laughs> Looks like the King of Spain is just trying to, like, be smooth. With the ladies? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he's totally dancing with them afterwards. Yeah. Uh, he's a ladies' man. Yeah. So the ladies are moving up in the world. <laughs> Meg and Briscoe. They're still, it's still kind of like they're going to become like mail order brides, though, in a way, if they <laughs> end just, up getting with the king. <laughs> they're just going to be like part of the king's harem. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. When the king announces that, uh, let the festivities begin. Not for the first time while watching this show. I was expecting ZZ Top to come on and start playing Double Back. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, Meg and Briscoe talk again, and he's, uh, they have a smooch. <sighs> Unsurprising. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, the romance in this episode was kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Bruce, Bruce Campbell, stop tasting ladies' kisses. He always licks people after <laughs> kiss, and it's really annoying and uh-huh. gross. <laughs> um, He's like, and... just like, num, 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 num. <laughs> I didn't think there was any need for that in there, really. It was just no. the sort of thing. You're expecting it. You know it's coming. Yeah. Um, but it, it was just unnecessary, I think. And it once again highlights that Bowler gets nothing. Yes, was well, someone please make out with Lord Bowler for once, for God's sake. I know. <laughs> and I thought it was going to happen here. Me too. But, but she's just like, she's like, no, I acknowledge you exist. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Frustrating. Poor, poor Bowler. Yes. Um, so anyone else got anything else? That's the end of my notes. He was still happy, though. He was happy with that. But... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he, he needs to not settle for that much. Yeah. I feel like he still needs to be He should have grabbed her, done the whole dip and kiss thing. Yes. Swept her off her, off her feet. Yeah. Yes. I agree. <laughs> We're going to start writing some fanfics. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyone else got any notes? Or are we good? Good. All right. So we want to do ratings. Uh, Matt, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. The um, the Briscoe and Bowler storyline I preferred to sort of Paul's arc with with Mendoza. wasn't wasn't as keen on that. I thought it was funny. It was a funny episode. I laughed out loud a few times. A um, couple of bits. Uh, the, the bull point of view shots in particular I'm not sure they were supposed to be so funny um, <laughs> uh, and even though there was no development of the overall plot with the orb and Bly and all of that I think this worked well as a standalone episode mm-hmm. um, um, so yeah I, I enjoyed it a lot um, I think as a, as a score I would probably give it uh, eight and a half out of ten uh, Mars will rashes okay uh caitlin what about you Hmm. well it was it was kind of an enjoyable episode but i just kind of felt a little bored by it Mm. the swills are kind of interesting but i don't know i didn't know if i wanted to revisit them at all it's kind of funny that they brought mosswell into it Mm. and yeah the the storyline of the bowl is just kind of boring as well so i'm gonna give it hmm I was going to give it six and a half, but I think I'm going to give it seven out of ten uh, deadly flamethrowers. I kind of agree with you, Caitlin, because I was I was kind of like, when I, fi- I found out it was the swills in this episode, I was like, oh, again? Yeah. <laughs> I don't really need to revisit them. Like They got even dumber. <laughs> I felt, but I felt like they were like a one-off kind of villain, but... But that, would you rather have um, another new villain of the week? Mm. That, that you haven't come across. I don't know. I, I guess it depends who they are. But. There's so many, only so many villains you can come up with, maybe. Exactly. And yeah. At least, at least, I know at least it wasn't the pe- peach-eating hillbilly. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> 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 I'd rather, I'd rather it have been Pete, but I don't know. Yeah, we haven't seen Pete in a while. We haven't seen him in a long while, and it feels like, from my memory, it feels like he was in every other episode. <laughs> but yeah. Maybe, maybe that happens later in the series. Maybe he's used more. Yeah, because he was in he was in like three out of the first five episodes or something, and then we haven't seen him since. Yeah, so sad. It mm. is sad. But yeah, we'll see him again. Um. So, Will, what do you think of this one? Or what? Wait, Caitlin, did you give an official rating? Yeah. Okay. I gave it seven. All right. So, Will, what do you give it? Uh, it was all right. You know, once like you guys, um, I didn't really care for the bull storyline and. I was having trouble actually getting through the episode, but that could be because I was watching it at three in the morning. Oh, you know? uh. <laughs> I, was tired. I was tired. But yeah, I gave it seven and a half out of ten uh, red blankets. <laughs> okay. Um, um, yeah, I agree. I agree. It was good. There was bad parts. I just love. I just love spending time with Briscoe and Bowler together on the road. It's great. Yes. But everything else is just me. Uh, so I'll give it 7.5 out of 10. Celebratory Thangrias. <laughs> nice. 
You? Um, well, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it much better than the last episode. I didn't fall asleep twice <laughs> this time. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 broken China sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so high points and low points. I got mine written down already, oh, so anybody who needs extra time, I'll go first here. Uh, my high point is uh, all the physical comedy. I liked um, Bar Brawl. I liked that guy throwing himself across the table as soon as that gun goes off. Uh, I liked Bill going ragdoll onto the ground. <laughs> uh, I liked, yeah, Briscoe running from the bowl and just the girls taking out Phil. All that stuff is great. Uh, my low point is the, obviously the speech impediment. But I guess it's not actually a speech impediment. But I still don't like it. <laughs> Jeez, Matt, pick everything in the episode for your high point. <laughs> <laughs> There's there can be some repeats. <laughs> if if you want to go, do you do you have the exact same things? No, I don't. I can do mine. Okay. Um, my high point, which I mentioned already, has got to be ball cam. <laughs> absolutely amazing um, and my low point I'm, I'm agreeing with you Matt I had uh, the stereotype of, of Mendoza as the Spaniard coming in I'm not keen on that one at all alright anyone else uh, I'll go my high point I like the uh, the ladies the brides I thought they were pretty cool yeah uh, my low point is Moss Will I didn't like her for some reason <laughs> <laughs> who was your favorite of the brides um I had trouble keeping up with their names, but the one who was interested in Briscoe. Meg. Meg the Meg. Really? I didn't like her. <laughs> you liked Caitlin the best, right? Uh, <laughs> her, her only <laughs> aspect was that she had messed up hair. Short hair. <laughs> but I felt bad for her. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> she got all wet. She got all wet. For her. No, the other one I found, she was like too obvious at uh, coming on to Briscoe. Yeah, she was... She was. I don't just, know, just another love interest kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I liked, like I liked. I liked how. I get. I liked how strong-willed she was and yeah. stuff like that. But I just didn't like that she had to end up falling for Briscoe, which I thought was kind of brought her character down a little. Yeah, I agree. agreed. Yeah. I had high hopes for her during the middle of the episode, but when they got to the end, it, ugh. Yeah, I feel. I, I feel annoyed that they ha- always have to make the women fall for Briscoe. And yes. I'm like, yeah, can't at least one woman be. You know, no, I'm not going to fall for you and not fall for him at all. He's too you know? gosh darn handsome. But <laughs> well, he's adorable and everything, but <laughs> like you don't want him to like lick your, like your the taste of you <laughs> off his <laughs> lips. No, save that for later. But out of the brides, I think I preferred Sally with her dime novels. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I liked her reading the false tales. Yeah, Caitlin. Okay. For me, my low point, kind of during the middle of the episode, I think is when they were, the brides and Briscoe and Buller were still tracking the Swill Brothers. I was kind of like, oh, this is, this is just kind of really boring. This episode, it, I don't feel like it's been full enough. So okay. it, I'll say that the tracking of the Swill Brothers. Okay. And then for my high point, it's the dime novels. <laughs> <laughs> Briscoe and Buller immortalized. Yes. All right. Uh, Mel? My low point is the uh, Meg trying to obviously get with Briscoe. That annoyed me to no end. Okay. My high point. I don't know. I feel like 
I feel like this is kind of cheating, but I want to pick like every Lord Bowler moment in this episode. <laughs> I don't know. I feel You're just like... trying to pander to Robin's vote. No, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I just found him so delightful. I feel like I've done this before, though, so maybe I should pick something else. No, it's okay. Matt already picked the entire episode, so you can pick the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just everything that Lord Bowler does and says, I just find he's delightful. All I don't right. know. <laughs> okay. When I and wrote... I want him to get romance. Damn it. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> um. <laughs> when I wrote your low point of Meg, uh, Meg getting with Briscoe, I accidentally wrote Meh getting with Briscoe. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much how you know. I yeah, it fits. <laughs> um. I really did want to like her though, but oh, just that she had to fall for Briscoe. Yeah. <laughs> Slapper silly. Yes. Alright, so who's got quotes? I've got a couple. Yeah, I've got a couple. I'll let you guys go first. Okay, the first one I've got from uh, starts with Bowler. I'll never forget about you, Briscoe County Jr. <laughs> oh, brother, what about me? <laughs> I won't forget you, Mr. Bowler. <laughs> that laugh always. Yeah, that laugh was kind of creepy, but it was hilarious. <laughs> it's like Buller can get away with being creepy, but he's not really creepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's go one. Um, when Sally says, "Oh my God, I've heard that line before." <laughs> uh, I liked this one between the mayor and Socrates. No barbecue. No barbecue! <laughs> I've got another one. This one's between Ma, Swill, and Phil. Who's got a hug for their Ma? That rash cleared up yet, Ma? Get down here and give me a hug. <laughs> Mel, do you got one? Yeah, I got a couple. <laughs> I actually have one from Ma, Swill. Why'd you have to blow him up? Could you just have maimed him or something? <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Yes. What do you got, Will? I went from Bowler. I like to give the squeals a haircut right down to their necks. I didn't even remember that, <laughs> that line. Yeah, so, I'm just <laughs> oh my god. Is he like decapitating people now? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He was very angry in this episode, yeah. especially. That would be intense, though, if he did decapitate people in this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Elgato, remember? Yeah, yes. Um, um, but Frank, if Bowler did it, whoa. <laughs> Intense. Intense. Because uh, he would have like a crazy face on when he would do it. And he'd be going, hey, hey, hey. Chopping <laughs> <laughs> through a neck. <laughs> do you have another one? Yeah, I do. You know what? It ain't right. You meet a woman, you fall in love with her, then you marry her. You don't pick her out of a catalog like a pair of boots. <laughs> Aww. Uh, I like this one. Uh I think we can round up uh, 10, 15,000. That's close to a million, ain't it? Yeah, uh, pretty close. <laughs> What's the other one? Want to give me a minute on that one? Forget it! You have 60 seconds! <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else got one, or are we done? That's good. Oh, I've got... There was one more, actually. Ooh, ooh, do it, do it. <laughs> right at the start. Sally says, uh, You're Briscoe County Jr., and, and, and that's Comet, the Wonder Horse. <laughs> you always got a cool comment. Somebody's got us. <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> All right, so let's get into our feedback. Um, this one is from, I think it's from F. Yeah, Bruce on Twitter. Who wants to read it? It's in the Skype window. I'll do it. <clears throat> I 
Since Briscoe has so many influences and great ideas behind it that it's often hard to pinpoint all of them at the same time. And that's what that's part of what makes it so unique and original. (laughs) Mail Order Brides doesn't present that sort of problem. It feels like an episode of Gunsmoke with, of course, another layer of canon directed lunacy. We meet up with the Swill Brothers once more in this episode. They're just as doofy as always. This time they've stolen the dowries of three mail-order brides who have come west to meet their husbands and are now stranded and husbandless. The three women hire Briscoe and Bowler to help them get their money back, and our two favorite lawmen soon discover that they'll have to battle both the strong-willed brides and the swills to get back both the cash and to keep the swills from stealing an even bigger prize, a blue-ribbon-winning bull worth thousands of dollars. The women insist upon joining Briscoe's journey, and soon the frying pans start flying. <laughs> Mail Order Bryce is another great example of how the show handles its female characters. All three of the Bryce are distinct, are independent, and have a united motivation, motivation, and they're all wonderful to root for. This episode in general is fine. Not the best the show has to offer, but a solid effort overall. All over. All right. Thank you. <clears throat> Um, here we got Harold, who did not like last episode. Let's see what he thinks of this one. Well, I'm, I'm pleased to report that I enjoyed Mail Order Bride, which is a happy change of events from the last few episodes. It, it wasn't perfect, certainly, but it was pretty good. It was humorous. Uh, there were some good jokes that made me laugh out loud. Um, there wasn't too much suspense in this episode. Uh, I didn't care too much for that whole uh, plot about, uh, about ransoming a bowl. Uh, Senior Mendez was terrible. Uh, to return to the Swill Brothers, well, I don't think anyone was uh, looking forward to that or expecting for that, and, and they, they certainly didn't do anything with them. Um, and there wasn't that much, uh, you know, suspense in this episode, except for that one horrifying, petrifying scene where that mayor was coming at uh, Socrates with that big wooden spoon with barbecue, and Socrates was wearing that nice white linen suit, <laughs> and I was so terrified that, that there was going to be a stain on Socrates' suit, yet somehow he uh, remained unstained and, and and clean, even though he's walking on the dirty, uh, dusty streets of Madrid. Uh, as for the things I liked, you know, I've been waiting all season long for a full, uh, all-out barroom brawl. It's uh, one of those elements of a Western that, uh, you know, you, you it's what, what makes a Western, uh, you know, one of, the, one of those genre units. Um, and so we finally got, before we've had a few almost barroom brawls, it was maybe Briscoe and, and one or two or three guys. This was everybody hitting everybody uh, every which way. Now, we didn't get a chandelier falling down. We didn't get a, uh, a big mirror behind the, the bar breaking. Other than that, though, uh, I'm satisfied. Um, I, I really like the... Uh, the the pulp novelization of Briscoe's Adventures and how it kept on, uh, they kept on bringing it up and incorporating it throughout the story. Uh, little side note, uh, I, I know that there were uh, pulp novels of uh, the Western, of Western stories, uh, pulp magazines, I should say, back in the 1890s. Because one day I was I was at some auction with my parents this, decades ago, and I, I saw some uh, of these and uh, bid on them. I, I got a whole lot of them for a couple of bucks. It's called Pluck and Luck. I think uh, my collection goes from about 1898 to 1913. I, I still have them uh, uh, in my uh, you know pile of junk. Uh, <laughs> Another thing I liked, I like I liked the three brides. Well, I like definitely the brunette bride, 
the redhead bride had a lot of possibility. Uh, blonde bride didn't get a whole lot, uh, you know, of, of dialogue and didn't do too much with her. Uh, again, kind of a parenthetical. What was the deal with uh, cutting her hair? It's I don't know. Was that supposed to be some sort of metaphor for for rape? It, I, I don't know. It was, it was just strange that they left that there hanging. Also, they left hanging their dowry. I know they're not intending on getting married, but uh, did they get their stuff back? I'd like to know. Anyway, I liked uh, going back to the uh, brunette bride. I, I liked her that she was you know stubborn, obstinate. Uh, she's probably the the best uh, uh, leading lady for Briscoe, and, and uh, I'd like to see the redhead, too. Uh, see her with uh, Bowler, perhaps. Um, so, overall, I have to give this one uh, 7 out of 10 uh, Spanish Armadas, and talk to you guys in two weeks. Bye. Thanks, Harold. I, never, I didn't even realize, like, the, the whole white suit barbecue sauce yeah, thing. I didn't scary. even think about that. Yeah, yeah. wonder how that was, like, the production, how they handled that. Because <laughs> there actually was, you know, dirt and mud all around, and there, it looked like there was liquid in that, that spoon. <laughs> it was a plastic white suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's coated with a some sort of thing that makes liquid bounce off onto lesser suits. Yeah. <laughs> lesser suits. Um, <laughs> I just... I don't have anything to say about this particularly, but I just wanted to remark that Harold's file is called Harold Feed Brides. <laughs> it's just funny. All right, uh, now we got Seamus. Hello, intro to Briscoe. This is Seamus coming to you with his thoughts on mail order brides. Oh, Briscoe County Jr. This is what I would call a very fun episode with a lot of fun action, a lot of fun character dynamics, and by that I really mean Lord Buller, who is the star of this show for me right now because he's so magnificent. It's like when they're like, there's stories about Briscoe. It's like, is there anything in there about me? And they're like, oh, you're his companion. He's like, no, he's helping me. Ah, Buller, you just feel so good because you're so amazing as a character. And your actor is amazing. I wish he was still with us. Rest in peace, my good sir. Oh, my God. Okay, you know, I'm just going to start off and say this episode was like a nice, juicy steak. It wasn't, like, the greatest thing for you. If you had too much of it, you might die. And there were some parts that, like, were kind of like the bone that you don't really want, but it needs to be there, I guess. Like, that romance shit. Like, uh, no. No. Go away. Away. <laughs> but then we had some great jokes. I shot the sheriff, but I didn't shoot the deputy. I see what you did there, Briscoe County Jr. You're so silly. Play, what are you doing? Stop flying over my house. Stop it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's a... They know what's up. They know that the crimes of romance in Briscoe County Jr. need to be dealt with. I hope you could hear that, because otherwise that's going to sound really weird if I just start saying that out of nowhere. <laughs> this is just... It's, again, it's Briscoe County Jr. It's fun. I sit here, and I'm eating my dinner, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say for this as I watch the episode. And I'm like, just I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, why even think about it? Like, I'm just going to have fun with the show. Like, are there some episodes that are better than others? Yes. But the show has a great spirit to it that I think a lot of shows, especially today, lack. Which is, a, which is like, just... A sign of jovial fun. I hope that's the right word. It's like it feels like it's it's fun. It's it, yeah. There are some deeper things going on, especially with the orb and whatnot. But you could just tell these people had fun writing the show. It's fun, and that's what matters. Ah. So I give this episode. It's like what? It's like an eight out of ten. Two points off for romance. We need more of the professor in this show. We got a lot last week. I need him back. 
Dixie can stay away forever. Don't care. I also like Socrates this week. He was fun. I don't know what was with the Spanish guy with his S's. That was weird. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Nice little set pieces at the end. Nice little fun things like with the, I guess it was the, the moonshine and then lighting it on fire. That was great. I really liked that, that Bullard didn't like to smoke. I just liked that a lot. It just it was just like, man, dude, that's awesome. All right, I've talked for far too long. So until next time, faithful intro to Briscoe County Errs. Oh, yeah! See ya. Aww. Thank you, Seamus. Everyone needs a Seamus in their life. They do. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I agree with, like... Get her bi-weekly dose of Seamus. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I agree with what he's saying about the show overall. Like, I've noticed a, a lot of our um, ratings are, like, sevens and eights. Mm. Like... Like every week, it's like Even seven. Even when we don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's good. It's not amazing, but it's not bad either. But I think that's okay. A show that's just good, always good. <laughs> I don't know. I do. I do like what he said too about the jovial spirit, which I agree with. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of you know, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin, you want to read the next one? Sure. This one's from Victor. When Briscoe and Bola rescue three male order brides from a runaway coach, they learn that they have become famous. Back east, dime novels about them are selling everywhere, detailing their exploits as far away as Bolivia. Bolivia? <laughs> oh well, the stories tell the tales of Briscoe and his, his faithful companion Lord Bowler and Comet the Wonder Horse. Not only is Bowler re- relegated to sidekick status, but he also gets conked on the head by one of the women. <laughs> They were already on the trail of the inbred Swill Brothers, the dumbest of all of Briscoe's enemies, or as Phil puts it, I just might be dumber than you think. <laughs> <laughs> this week we get to see the matriarch of the clan, Lil Swill. Sadly, the apples did not fall far from this rotten tree. <laughs> There's a subplot in which Sophocles has to provide deluxe accommodations for the bowl El Magnifico, a present from the King of Spain. Unfortunately, the mayor of Madrid wants to barbecue the bull, which might cause an international incident. To make matters worse, the bull escapes, and as small a town as Madrid is, it does boast a china shop. Cliché alert! (laughs) (laughs) The Spanish soldiers must have been on loan from the Keystone Cops as they chase the bull into the china shop. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly what happens in there, but they end up being chased out of the shop by the bull. Eventually, the swills are captured, the girls are awarded medals, and Briscoe, Buller, and yes, even Sophocles are thanked for their efforts. So now Briscoe is a famous hero, and it turns out that Buller is really a soft-hearted romantic who doesn't approve of mail-order brides. As far as Sophocles is concerned, I have to give credit where it is due. He went an entire episode without screwing up once. (laughs) This was probably that day when hell froze over. (laughs) In all, this episode was good, but not great. And it earned 7.5 barbecued El Magnificos out of 10. Regards, Victor. Or Victo. You win. <laughs> <laughs> Henceforth, we'll call you Victo. No, the ER represents you win. <laughs> Little known fact, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Matt A. sent in written thoughts this time, instead of audio. Uh, who wants to read it? Yeah, I don't mind. Alright. Thoughts on mail order brides. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Johnny Montana meets his peacemaker by N.L. Scrimshaw. Five cents was very clever and meta. If the series had become a hit, these Briscoe paperbacks would have made an excellent product tie-in. <laughs> Each of the three women is defined thus. We have the spunky one, she who rudely hit Bowler on the head with the frying pan. 
We have the nerdy slash romantic one, she of the five cent novels, and then there's the other one. (laughs) (laughs) The opening credits listed a special appearance by Mark and Brian. Who were Mark and Brian? Maybe the bull? Someone on the podcast clarify. What? I don't don't know. I I think I saw that Mark Thompson as Mark and Brian. But it also said Brian Phelps. I thought it said, wait. What are you looking at? It says Mark Thompson and Brian Phelps. Who's Brian Phelps? They're oh. both as Mark and Brian. So they're playing people with their names. But, yes. I don't, but who are they? I don't know. Who they <laughs> Could are. they have been the guards that didn't say a word? They're the only oh. two, two randoms who were, were in there. That, I don't know. Must be. Unless they were in charge of Bull Cam. Yeah. Hmm. They must have some pull with Carl Hughes. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. I think it said one of them was in Rocky or something. Was he? Whatever. First chapter title was For Whom the Bull Tolls. As soon as Socrates began talking about El, El, about El Magnifico, my Briscoe sense told me there will be a sequence at the end of the episode where a bull gets loose and runs through a china shop. I'm patting <laughs> myself on the back for that one. <laughs> the barbecue sauce near Socrates' white suit made me exceptionally nervous. Oh, yeah, I thought for sure it was going to get spilled on him. <laughs> I had no idea Bowler was such a romantic, but he finds the idea of a man picking a woman out of a catalogue, like a pair of boots, repugnant. Lord Bowler, your gruff exterior masks a kind, sympathetic heart. I love the moment when the Swill brothers spot Briscoe in the saloon, and the one Swill says, Keep absolutely still. Briscoe County Jr.'s vision is based on movement. (laughs) This is paraphrased. The Bob Marley joke was the groaner of the episode. Agreed. The subplot of the visiting dignitaries from the Sister City reminded me of the Parks and Recreation episode that featured Fred Armisen as a representative from Pawnee's Sister City in Venezuela. Like the Spaniard in Briscoe, Armisen's character acted very disrespectful towards his American counterparts. Perhaps mail-order brides inspired the Parks writers? (laughs) I agree with Briscoe when he calls Meg stupid for pursuing the swills in the rain without Briscoe and Bowler. A foolish decision that could have gotten her and her friends killed, and she took his hat. Shut up, Meg. (laughs) (laughs) Did he just say he'd buy her a hot chocolate? Where is there hot chocolate in the middle of the wilderness? (laughs) Question. The peach guy has a stand. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Peach hot chocolate. (laughs) Sorry, Mel. Sorry. (laughs) Ooh boy, Marswell likes a flamethrower. Marswill reminded me of the crone from Carnival. Old hillbilly wretch with lunk-headed hillbilly sons. A trope that never gets old. <laughs> Speaking of other television series, I recently rewatched Millennium's The Thin White Lion, which featured actor Jeremy Roberts in the role of serial killer Richard Allen Hance. Briscoe viewers know him as Bill Swill. Roberts was extremely disturbing in his Millennium appearance. Agreed. Yeah, he was good. As far as Briscoe in peril sequences, this was the most preposterous yet. Because, of course, Briscoe and Bowler would be able to negotiate for drinks and cigars moments before they are executed. And, of course, Meg would would overflow and the alcohol would weave itself through the various cracks and fissures of the ground towards Briscoe's direction without anyone noticing. And, of course, Bowler's cigar would land precisely where it needed to be in order to light the trail of alcohol. Ridiculous. It's the genie. I love this exchange. He's over there talking to his horse. He always does. Yes, because he is insane. (laughs) Well, he's not so insane for talking to Comet, but thinking Comet understands him and is talking back. Yeah, whack job. (laughs) 
I disagree with that. I think he and, and Comet have a lovely relationship. <laughs> you think they actually understand each other? Of course, yes. That'd be you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> Quite oh, possibly. <laughs> Sally the bookworm is hilarious, and Bowler's reactions go to sleep even more so. Their interplay made for some of the funniest moments of the episode. <laughs> and yet he still didn't get to kiss her. Mm. I predict Sally will become the very first person to write Briscoe County Junior fan fiction. <laughs> I predict Meg catches the frontier spirit and becomes a bounty hunter like Crystal Hawks. Weapon of choice, frying pan, Natch. And then there's the other one. <laughs> the bull point of view shots were amazing. Thank you, someone that agrees with me. <laughs> This episode was pretty humorous. It was nice to see the Swills again, and Marswill was a hoot. It is strange how the mail order brides were central to all the action, yet they probably could have been excised from the episode, and you still have a pretty good plot about Briscoe and Bowler stopping the Swills heist. The two threads complemented each other nicely and added dimension to the entire adventure. I rate this episode 8.5 out of 10 supportive mothers of would be gang leaders. I enjoy Matt A as read by Matt B. <laughs> Thank you, Matt H. Uh, you guys, I found out who Mark and Brian are. Okay. Okay. They're talk show radio hosts. Oh. And apparently they make appearance together in TV, in t- or movies and stuff. Because they're also in Princess Diaries as like DJs. Oh. Yeah. That's weird. Mark and Brian mornings. Nine, 95.5 KLOS. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. So, uh, but who did they play then? But do we know where they were? Yeah. yeah. I, I tried to figure that out, but I just couldn't. I'm guessing you're right, and it's the guards. <laughs> um, all right, so that's the all the feedback. They were a little light on feedback this episode. Uh, I'm not sure if everyone noticed that we were recording earlier. I tried to make it well known. Oh, by the way, when Maddie said that he that the the other lady did nothing, it just remind like I just kind of realized that maybe they cut her hair and sold it. So maybe she's going to become like a professional wig grower. <laughs> grow. I've never heard it referred to that as before. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That's just where my mind went. <laughs> <laughs> you say I'm insane. <laughs> Uh, so, alright, so next time we've got, uh, the episode AKA Kansas. Mm-hmm. What's this gonna be about? Well, I think it's about Briscoe's counterpart, I mean, his <laughs> other identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gonna have to infiltrate criminal activity. Okay. And he's gonna talk with a really bad accent. <laughs> <laughs> Will he wear a funny mustache? Yes, I hope yes. some sort of disguise. <laughs> He's going to take out his disguise kit. Yeah. Well, Question. Do you think that Comet is going undercover too? Comet's gonna, going to also be wearing a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Maybe a monocle. Yeah. <laughs> and a top hat. Aww. <laughs> what about Bowler? Uh, yeah, how can Bowler go in disguise? Mm. He does have several aliases that we heard of. I can't remember the names. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know what kind of disguises he would be. <laughs> he just... Bowler start- and... Uh, Bowler and Socrates could be the two ends of a pantomime horse. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say Bowler just wears a bag on his on his head. <laughs> I'm in disguise. Aww. Uh. It's like a paper plate with a face drawn on. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And then when he talks, the paper plate squishes in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Alright, so Matt, do you have anything to plug? 
not particularly at the moment, no. Find me lurking around Facebook. Okay, well, thanks like for that. joining us. No problem, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Yay. I think this is the first time we've ever been on a recording together, isn't it? Yes, we've talked about each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's not direct to each other. Yeah. <laughs> you still haven't killed me just yet. Oh, yeah, I forgot I was going to do that. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> El Magnifico, El Magnifico the Sixth is on its way to gore you. <laughs> um, so, Will, what's going on uh, down below? Uh, we're starting season two in a few weeks. I've got some traveling to do, so we're taking a couple weeks off, and now would be a good time to jump on. Mm-hmm. Yep, catch up. Uh, yeah. Speaking of that, yeah, you're going to the Twin Peaks Fest, and so yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh, it's coming up. Yep, so we're going to be gone for a few weeks. Uh, our next recording is going to be uh, July seventeenth. No. Yes. Or July. No, back in time. No, that's wrong. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry. August. <That's> <laughs> I saw that earlier, and I was going to tell you, but I forgot. Why didn't you warn me ahead <laughs> I'm sorry. of time? You could have. Because it was really funny, Matt. Come on. <laughs> uh. Trying to make a fool out of you. <laughs> you accomplished your mission. Yes. Uh, so yeah, August seventeenth is the next recording. If anybody listens to the Twin Peaks podcast and uh, and you know, so we haven't put out an episode in a while, we're actually going to put out a couple more. Mel and I might try to like document in audio form, a la Agent Cooper, our trip to the fest. Maybe see if we can interview some some of the guests and some of the attendees. Because they're going to be playing the uh, special features from the Blu-ray, all the new footage. And a lot of people are going to be seeing it for the first time, I think. I know Brad told me he wants us to do a fashion commentary. Yes. <laughs> be on Fashion Watch while we're there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but after that, after that, we also plan to uh, get back together with Caitlin and Brad and uh, some yet-to-be-announced guest uh, to talk about the new footage on the Blu-ray. So we'll have a, an episode reviewing all that new, new goodness on the Twin Peaks cast. Yeah. Uh, so, is that it? I think that's it. Yep. So thanks for joining us again, everybody, and we'll see you August 17th. Get your Whoa. feedback in. There's lots of time. Catch up if you've lapsed. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining us, folks. Be sure to tune in again in four weeks. Time for the next exciting episode. In the meantime, please be so kind as to follow along with us and send your feedback to introbriscoe at gmail.com. If you'd fancy to, you can join our discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash intro brisco. Also, we're on them newfangled Twitters at intro brisco, and we've got one of them fancy blogs at introbrisco.blogspot.ca. I was walking through the city streets And a man walks up to me and hands me the latest energy drink Run faster, jump higher Man, I'm not gonna let you poison me I threw it on the ground You must think I'm a joke I ain't gonna be part of your system Man, pump that garbage in another man's veins to my favorite hot dog stand and the dude says you come here all
all the time. Here's one for free. I said, man, what I look like? A charity case? I took it and threw it on the ground. I don't need your handouts. I'm an adult. Please, you can't buy me hot dog, man. At the farmer's market with my so-called girlfriend. She hands me her cell phone. Says it's my dad. Man, this ain't my dad. This is a cell phone. I threw it on the ground. What you think I'm stupid? I'm not a part of this system. My dad's not a phone. Duh. Some poser hands me cake at a birthday party. What you want me to do with this? Eat it? Happy birthday to the ground. I threw the rest of the cake too. Welcome to the real world, jackass. So many things to throw on the ground. Like this and this and that and even this. I'm an adult. Hollywood phonies tried to give me the autograph. On my butthole Over and over I was screaming and squirming My butthole was on fire The moral of this story is You can't trust the system Man Many, many years ago When I was 23 I was married to a widow Who was pretty as could be this widow had a grown-up daughter who had hair of red. My father fell in love with her and soon they two were wed. This made my dad my son-in-law and changed my very life. For my daughter was my mother cause she was my father's wife. To complicate the matter even though it brought me joy, I soon became the father of a bouncing baby boy. My little baby then became a brother-in-law to dad. And so became my uncle, though it made me very sad. For if it was my uncle, then that also made him brother of the widow's grown-up daughter, who of course was my stepmother. Oh, I'm my old grandpa. I'm my old grandpa. It's not funny, I know, but it really is so. Oh, I'm my old grandpa. Father's wife then had a son who kept them on the run. He became my grandchild, for he was my daughter's son. My wife is now my mother's mother, and it makes me blue. Because although she is my wife, she's my grandmother, too. Oh, if my wife is my grandmother, then I'm her grandchild. And every time I think of it, it nearly drives me wild. For now I have become the strangest case you ever saw. As husband of my grandmother, I am my own grandpa. Oh, I'm my own grandpa. It sounds funny, I know, 